they had a deal where the bride and groom would not kiss unless you went up and sang a mm-hmm. part of a lyric yeah, to them. So um, Jen and I went up and sang, if you want my love, you, you got, got it. it. If you need my, my love, you got it. I, I won't hide it. I won't, won't throw your love away. Woo! You hit one note correct, I guess. <laughs> That was a big wow. Hello and welcome to another episode of When Records Ruled, the podcast where we share a love of rock music and pop culture from the 70s and 80s and take a few B-side tracks down memory lane along the way. So get out those liner notes, dig into that fresh box of Twinkies, because it's time to hit the play button. I'm your host, David Norris, and joining me on this flashback musical road trip are my good friends Brian Strom and Lance Schwartz. Who needs another hostess snack? Wasn't a big uh, Twinkie guy. No? No. Ding Dong? Ding Dong? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ho-Ho? Oh, yeah. Same thing. Susie Different Q. shape. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ho-Hos have the chocolate uh, swirl on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, those are good. Yeah. Chocolate coating and yeah. Ding Dongs, too. It and was they, basically the same. And thing. they originally came in foil. Remember that? Yes. Yeah, they did. Yep. Yep. And then at lunch, you open them up, you flatten them out, and then you push them on your face, and you make a print of your nose and all that kind of stuff. I never did the imprint on my face. Yeah. We would just make them into like either a... Yeah, cube and like, you know, really flatten them and like yeah. rub it on the table yeah, yeah, or the perfect ball. Perfect ball. And then you throw it at somebody. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And then we think we took a few Twinkies and popped them like zits. Too. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tried one like, you know, in my uh, late teens or early 20s one time. Not a good taste. Hmm. No, did not you remember mean the that. Zit? all right let's move on here for today's episode we will be discussing the album moving pictures by canadian the canadian prog rock group rush Eh? that's right eh? we'll hear what was happening around the time of the album's release wrap it up with our personal rating of the album and then we'll end the show with our remember when segment so to get us going lance has some details to share about the album Yes, indeed. Moving Pictures is the eighth studio album by Canadian, as you mentioned. That's right, eh? Rock band Rush. It was released on February 12th, 1981 in the U.S. on Mercury Records, but I guess it might have been Anthem Records mm-hmm. in Canada. I nope. did not have an Anthem copy. Mine was a Mercury copy. Same. So Moving Pictures was recorded uh, after the band concluded their tour for their previous album, Permanent Waves. Um, they started writing and recording the new material in August 1980. So, yeah, they turned around, turned that around, what? Six months. Pretty quick, really, considering. Um, they worked with a producer named Terry Brown, who actually had been involved with all of their previous albums as well. And they stuck with him, I think, through, what was the album after this? Signals. Signals. Fire Hydrant. Fire Hydrant. Yep. Yep. Through that album, anyway. Um, Some would say that this was maybe their most radio-friendly album up to this point. Um, And considering the length of some of the songs, 
you know, they were much shorter. And I'll maybe get into a little bit about Getty Lee's vocal delivery too, that I think made it a little more radio friendly. Um, the album had three uh, singles that were released, Limelight, Tom Sawyer, and Vital Signs. I didn't know Vital Signs was released as I a single. I did not either. I but never heard that on the radio. Yeah, me neither. Must have not charted very high. No. Uh, according to this uh, research I did, the album has sold 5 million copies, but that, that's got to be old. I'm guessing it's a little more than that. Did you guys find... They don't update that stuff anymore. Yeah. I mean, probably the were... 90s were the last time. And then uh, the, the band supported the album on tour from February to July, 81. Fairly short tour, mm -hmm. too, really. Yeah, really, it is. But, you know, that was back in the day, I think, when you were expected to crank out an album a year and uh, tour to support, and it just kept, you know, the cycle kept going. Nowadays, it seems like you wait three, four years, or if yeah. it's Boston, <laughs> a dozen. <laughs> Eight. Anyway, a little more about uh, Terry Brown. Besides working with Rush... He worked with the band Cutting Crew. Cutting Remember Crew, that? yeah. Yep. Heard and of them. another prog rock band from Canada called Klaatu. I've never nope. heard of them. Nope. Or Klaatu. K-L-A-A-T-U. You guys have never heard of them. Have Maybe. you heard of them? I like both of their... No, I'm kidding. I have no, <laughs> I have no idea who they are. <laughs> Chilliwack. I mean, if you throw that at me, yeah. Did he work with Chilliwack too? No. Oh. <laughs> but they were Canadian, weren't they? What you gonna do? Yeah. I, they might have been. Okay. I don't know. Well, one other Canadian band he worked with is a band that I personally like called Blue Rodeo. Never heard, heard of Blue them. Rodeo. No. Uh -uh. Look them up. Pretty good. I would say they're more alt country sort of. Oh, okay. Mm. List of credits. Whoa. <laughs> Brian's a little excited about Blue Rodeo. <laughs> Sorry. Why don't you back that up? <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to silence your phone and you're like, I just, no, I was going to look oh, something look up, up and it just, just, it just was on. All right. Sorry, Lance. No, that's all right. I'm here to confirm that Chilliwack is Canadian. Okay. Thank you, Brian. You're welcome. Thank you, Google. Okay. I think that's, that's enough. I don't have an awful lot on this. There was not much on, not much interesting anyway on uh, my reliable Wikipedia source. Is that enough for you tell me big guy i, I just so. make something up there's one more you fact know, one more fact it doesn't matter if it's true or not this album believe it or not they recorded completely in the nude it was this <laughs> <laughs> wow what no, really? i didn't know wow. that nope <laughs> i don't want to know how you found that on the internet <laughs> No, you don't want to. <laughs> That's know. All right, but you and you don't want to see the video. <laughs> oh man, okay, that makes for a, a slippery uh, drum seat. <laughs> okay, let's move on. To give us an even better frame of reference, Brian is here with some information and fun facts on what was happening around the time the album was released, February twelfth, nineteen eighty-one. Some of the top bands of the time were Blondie, Steely Dan, one of. Uh, Lance's favorites here, ACDC, yeah. Bruce Springsteen, and Pat Benatar. All good stuff. That that was kind of like peak back in black, maybe just before mm -hmm. for those about to rock. They yeah. were huge. Yep. Yeah, I, I saw them twice in the, the two-year span yeah. on the back in black tour. And then uh, they, I'm trying to remember if they opened there for those about to rock. And it was early in that for those about to rock tour when I saw them we were in the fifth row oh wow. my goodness that was a lot of fun 
Did you hear anything after that? Not for about three weeks, maybe. So <laughs> I think we talked about that in our concerts episode. Yeah, but I'm gonna we... go back and hear more about that. Yes, good. Hey, the callback. I'm all about the callback. All right, uh, the top three songs on the Billboard charts. Number three, I love a rainy night. Eddie Rabbit. Oh, correct. Yeah. yeah. I know that song. Nine to five. Number two. Dolly Parton. Correct. And. It's a race now. Celebration. Cool the hey. gang. Yes. Yes. You know, I was hoping for another country tune there. Yeah, I know. I was just, I was thinking the same thing. They're Who like, would it have been? Celeb- they're like uh, treating it Ronnie Millsap or something, maybe. Yeah. Smoky Mountain Rain, baby. There you go. All right. Top uh, TV shows around that time. One Day at a Time. Alice. Oh, yeah. Different Strokes. Trapper John MD and then Chips. Yes. Oh yeah. Punch and John. Punch and John. And Sergeant Gatrer. Yep. <laughs> and Grossman. Grossman. That's what I guy <laughs> was trying to think of. That was getting the made that they made fun of all the time. That's right. <laughs> oh man. Alice Poor was guy. pretty good too. Remember Flow? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Kiss my grits. Kiss my grits. <laughs> yes. <All right. laughs> Movies. Or, oh, go oh, ahead. Yeah, Dave, no, Dave's no, got no. something there. No, okay. I, get, I don't. Yeah. Movies at the time. Raiders of the Lost Ark. On Golden Pond yeah. and Cannonball Run. Oh, that was, yeah. That was Cannonball a great Run. movie. Yeah. yeah, it was a great movie in the day. I just watched it like six months ago. It's terrible. Yeah, you didn't like Smokey and the Bandit either. <laughs> yeah. Come on. That's true. Cannonball Run was Come awesome. On. It was yeah. just, an all, get, just an excuse to get the all-star cast together. It was a big yeah. all-star yeah. cast. I love that movie. Kind of like uh, episode of Love Boat, right? Right, yeah. yeah. Bunch yeah. of B-listers. And, yeah. No, can't, but let's see. Um, Burt Reynolds was in Cannonball yeah. Run, right? Yep. yep. And yep. Dom DeLuise. Yeah. And the, ele- and the elephant. That was the, can- that was, um, no, that, oh, that was Smoking the Bandit 2 you're talking about, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the elephant. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. We're going to move on medication. here. Uh, toys around this time period. Triominoes. I remember anybody. It. I, I, I didn't rem- play it, but I remember seeing it. We yeah. had it. I we think. had that too. Yeah. It looked like fun. Yep. Was it fun? It I was fun. So. Yeah. yeah. Right. It was like three times the fun. Oh man. Uh, Smurf figures. Yeah. How about the game Mastermind? That was an awesome game. That was. We fun. played that all the time camping because yep. it was a good like travel game. Yep. Exactly. It was so small. Exactly. I love that game. I don't yep. remember it. Sitting in the camper. Yep. Doing that. Yep. Nope. Doesn't ring a bell. And but then also at this time, Garfield figures and stuffed animals were getting the ones that big, were stuck to the windows, stuck in the oh, windows, and man. all that. Yeah. I had a Garfield. I was into Garfield in grade school. Oh yeah, and I think I might have had like little one stuffed animal, but I had like all twelve books at the time. It was like yeah. a, kind of a collection, the but cartoons. then it just got. So See, I, li- I liked Garfield at the time because I could understand it. I could yeah. get the jokes. Yep. The, that and like the Marmaduke were hilarious. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then it got to be very, very, political. very repetitive. Yes, no, pl- not political. <laughs> no, <laughs> everything. I don't think he's ever been political. Just repetitive. <laughs> he he loves lasagna. He hates Odie. Odie hates his owner. Disrespects mm-hmm. his owner. I mean, yeah. repeat. No. Oh. Anyway, all right. That's all I got. All right, gents. Let's say we break. For a road trip to the Great White North, so we can get in the right frame of mind to talk about the Rush album, Moving Pictures. Buckle up. Oh, look. Snow.
It's such a great opener. Has, yeah. has there ever been a band that you wanted to air drum more to than Rush? No, that's no. I don't. It's a think good point. So. And I said opener. It's a great opening to that song. I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you didn't get my Great White North reference, it's a nickname for Canada, by the way, for all those who don't know what that is, where the band's from. I think we mentioned True. it at the top of the uh, episode here. Yep. It's also an album by Bob and Doug McKenzie. Yes. If you haven't heard of them, Google them, eh? Take Off. That's right. Hey. I have a story about Limelight. You, oh, I was going to say, I have well, a story about Take Off. Well, let's get to, let's get to yours, Brian. So, we'll hold yours till we talk about Limelight. So Bob Could. and Doug McKenzie. Yeah. Um, Rick Moranis yeah. and Getty Lee were schoolmates. So during grade school for like six years. So when they, they did uh, their album, their Bob com- and Doug McKenzie. comedy album, yeah, uh, they had uh, Getty Lee in to sing uh, Take Off. Yeah, I remember that. And they recorded it uh, very quickly. I think he said uh, maybe 15 minutes. I know, believe he it. He did his part. And um, the highest uh, chart that a Rush member has ever been on. The song <laughs> is Take Off oh by Bob and Doug McKenzie. Wasn't even his own song? <laughs> nope. And they were in That's the teens. Me. They made it up into the teens. Wow. Not, not surprising, is it? <laughs> uh, it's just pop culture. Yes. Flash. Yeah. Uh, guys. Yes. Before we get going here, I'd like to start the discussion with a footnote. It's where we're discussing an album that I actually own. What? But I bought this album. <laughs> I have the CD. Nice. Wow. I bought it in the 80s. I don't really remember when I bought it, unfortunately, but I'm pretty familiar with this one. So I was pretty excited when I knew we were going to be reviewing this one. Oh, it's going to be so easy for you. I know, right? That's good. You guys have any, uh, that's good. I don't, you know what? I don't, I don't have anything (laughs) to say, Dave. What do you got? Uh, I got nothing, man. Oh, jeez. Yeah. (laughs) You guys have any first impressions that you remember from listening to this album? Uh, yeah, actually, because I was into Rush prior to this coming out okay. quite, quite a bit in, into Rush. I mean, it had 2112 and Caress of Steel and Fly By Night and Farewell to Kings. I had them all. Wow. And I really liked 2112. Did I mention that? No. You did. You oh, did. I, I did. I missed that one. Yeah. That did. was, I think, the first Rush album I ever bought. Wow. So uh, when this came out, yeah, I, I guess I, I was in high school and this was markedly different than some of those previous albums um mainly because the songs were short shorter some of them most of them and they were a little less complex mm-hmm. you know if well 20 yeah, for rush for rush for sure yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah good point i mean they're all <laughs> terrific <laughs> musicians so yeah it, it struck me as really wow this is different but this is really good i liked it a lot um and uh, it might be, in my opinion, the pinnacle for Rush because mm-hmm. things changed considerably after this album. And I, you'd have to ask the guys, the two remaining guys, why that is. But it, it seemed like they uh, decided to go a little more. I mean, they're always <coughs> maybe kind of experimental in what they did, but they became even more experimental mm-hmm. after this album, after this album. Yeah. yeah. But it, yeah, when it came out, it was, it was huge. It was big. Um, and I must've bought it right away. Can't remember for sure. Though. Yeah. I think Pretty sure I did. my brother bought this cassette right away. And so I, I remember hearing it them 
Um, first time hearing Tom Sawyer, I was familiar with, you know, some of their, their radio hits prior to that. Didn't own anything. Hits, quote unquote. Right. Yeah. Pro they probably were bigger hits after this came out. And then, you know what I mean? Like going back into their catalogs. And then you start hearing more Rush after they started to get more popular. But um, I, I do remember hearing Tom Sawyer for the first time. I mean, not really specifically, but just what a completely different sound. Just like, wow, what is this? And that, that kind of blew me away. I was still listening. I was 10 or 11. So I wasn't listening to rock radio or anything. I was just listening to the top 40 stuff. Yeah. So this came up. And then I do remember a few years later, I bought uh, when those KTEL records. That Compilation? Was, yeah. And it was called Masters of Metal. Oh, I think I had that one. And they have Rush on there. Yeah. And I oh, saw that. I was like, yes, Tom like Sawyer. I was like so excited. It was a live version. Oh no! So disappointed. I'm like, oh no! I don't, I don't remember that. Good, it was probably probably from like exit exit stage, stage left. left. I'm sure. But wasn't the like Y and T and Black Sabbath? Yes. And, yeah. Yep. That was a pretty good detail. It was a really and crocus. the cover. Yeah. yeah. The cover was really cool. Great cover. It wasn't your typical KTEL cover. Yeah. If you can picture a typical k yeah. cover. I, I can. Yeah. Because yeah. we had a few of those compilations. Yeah. Nothing uh, rock or metal related. Yeah. A lot of silly songs and sure. maybe a country compilation or something like that. But yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, that was my really first experience with them. I do remember kind of, you know, I think the main reason I bought this album was Tom Sawyer because you'd, I'd hear that and mm -hmm. go, wow, this is such an awesome song. I need to buy the album. That's the way you got it. Yeah. So. And then, you know, I really liked a lot of the other songs and grew to like them and would listen to the entire album. I think maybe the the reason that people say it's like more commercial is just because they had more shorter songs on it. Mm -hmm. Although they still had a lot of, I mean, they got a 10, 11 minute song on this one. Mm -hmm. um, they always had some shorter, catchy, radio friendly songs prior to this. So... Yeah, I mean, in that sense, I waves had, yeah, I don't know. That was a real big departure, but uh, I think uh, when we get into the songs, I'll talk a little bit about Getty's vocal delivery on a couple of these. That makes me think it was maybe crafted a little more to get some radio airplay, but mm -hmm. we'll talk about that. Just toning it down a little bit, maybe. Yeah, I think you're on yeah. something there. Yeah, I read something similar. We'll get into that. You read in a that, little bit. really? Yeah, oh. that he was trying to like say he can only scream for so long. Interesting. Yeah, and I I did not read that. This is no. something I actually came up with on my own. Oh, guys. I well, I just came up with my thing on my own. Well, I'll wow. back you both up. I hey, don't know. we we kind of know a little <laughs> bit wow. about music. Hey, it's crazy. Wow, <laughs> you have to change the little saying at the end. We actually do know something. <laughs> That's right. Oh yeah. no, 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 no. Not going to go there. Um, let's talk about the cover just a little bit here um, because I thought it was a really interesting cover, and I was doing some research on it. Um, it's a triple entendre. And so what that means, like triominos. Exactly. Exactly. So there's just a lot going on here with the name moving pictures. So that is implying a lot of different things. There's literally people moving pictures on the cover. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. There are people being moved like to tears or emotionally moved by that, by the, by the moving pictures. Mm -hmm. um, and on the back of the album, there's like a live video crew filming them moving pictures. 
Yes. Another moving picture. And I know I was telling uh, Brian this earlier on the CD I have, the liner notes contain um, the pictures that are on the back of the, the LP, the action pictures, which are taken with like a strobe light of Getty Lee, Neil Peart and Alex Lyson. But my copy does not contain Neil. And I was always wondering like, why wouldn't you include a photo of the drummer in your liner notes? So there must've been mm-hmm. some kind of cost saving measure. Well, it was when CDs came out and um, yeah, he was, there was a lot of inner fighting with the band and they're like, we're just going <laughs> to leave him out. And <laughs> <that stuff up. laughs> I thought it was foreshadowing that That's Neil right. would yeah. be the first one to pass yeah, away. Yeah. So um, a few more details about the uh, cover too. It's uh, taking, it's a photo and taken in front of the Ontario Legislative Building in downtown. That's Russia's hometown, uh, Toronto, downtown Toronto. Um, There's a painting of dogs playing poker, which was Neil Peart's idea. Uh, The star. That's an iconic. Yeah, it it is. is. It's actually, it was on loan from Minnesota, by the way. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, I read that too. Is that at the Institute of Arts? No. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. No, there's some collection that they have of these, I think, or some. But the original is in Minnesota. That's what I read anyway. Well, we need to go see it because that's awesome. You can order your own copy, actually. No, I want to see the original. Oh, okay. I want to carry the original. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You do. Um, There's a jumpsuit. They're also carrying a uh, the Starman character from 2112. Yep. And a burning Joan of Arc figure, which is actually a photograph of the photographer. Hmm. Um, what's her name here? Um, is it a selfie? I lost it. it. Well, I don't know that it's called a selfie. <laughs> so uh, does not find her name. Yet. Deborah Samuels, a photographer. So this whole thing orchestrated and directed by Hugh Simey, who also plays... Um, synth on one of the songs we'll talk about later tier two but his whole uh and he's designed and directed like multiple rush covers hmm. like i i don't i didn't count up how many but it's it's at least a half a dozen really? or more yeah i think that this one had a lot did, of moving did parts. i read oh yeah. one more thing good one the uh painting or the the photo joan of Arc character um kind of a reference to witch hunt as well mm. so they're kind yeah. of referencing that in there did I read somewhere that the cost of producing the cover? $6,000. 6, yeah. I, I read that it was maybe a little more than that. E- either way, whatever it is, the record company didn't want to pay for it. So the band had not, to pay some. Not all of it. They didn't want yeah. to pay for yeah. all of it. Yeah. yeah. So the band the had to chip in. Yeah. Out of their pocket. Yeah. yeah. And you think about $6,000. That's nothing. Today. Well, yes. even today, what is that? Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what the equation 000. is. 25000 Yeah. Something like that. So they must have been like, oh, no, we're not doing that. Anyway. Well, they saved money by using all their buddies and friends they did. and family yeah. members. and. Yep. There's also one of the uh, guys who's filmed holding one of the pictures is shown in there twice. Mm. So I'm not sure how they photographed that or superimposed him or whatever. But the guy on the far left is also the guy holding a picture on the steps where you can only see like the back of his head. It looks, I'm looking at it right now. I yeah. concur. Yeah. <laughs> it looks very much like. <laughs> You've confirmed day. that already. Good. Yeah. All right. Uh, one more note. Uh, Rolling Stone has listed this album at number three on the 2015 list of 50 greatest prog rock albums of all time. Really? Mm. Any guesses to number one? Yes. Man. Fragile. 
No. Hmm. It's a Pink Floyd album. Oh. Oh. Dark Side of the Moon. Dark Side of the Moon. Yep. Okay. And what's number two? Um, I, can't, I didn't make a note of that one. <laughs> I knew one somebody was going to probably like ask it. that. And I'm like, I'll remember that. I don't need Stump to make a note. Dave. No. Uh, yes, Fragile. No. <laughs> the Yes album? Yes. No. All right. You guys ready to talk some tracks? Let's talk tracks. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, like, like usual, uh, I'm going to go through and uh, name off the tracks. We'll circle around and start talking about track number one on side number one. Side one, Tom Sawyer, Red Barchetta. YYZ, or as Rush calls it, YYZ. Z. Limelight. And then we flip over to side two, The Camera Eye, Witch Hunt, and Vital Signs. Not a lot of songs in this album, but they're mediocre in length. But 40, 40 minutes total. But 40 minutes, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's a decent long, long album. We're going to start off with a bang here, guys. Tom Sawyer. Kind of a tale of two sides on this album, mm-hmm. too, by the way. Uh, Tom Sawyer. Isn't that synth cool? Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that kind of makes this song unique among rock right. songs. That's what I say when I first heard that. I was just like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, because I can't think of any other song that would no. sound anything like that. You immediately know it's this song. Yeah, right. That wave of synth yeah. Yeah. in the, you know, the kind of downward note it takes or something, right. whatever yep. it does. It's just awesome. And, and there's a synth solo Mm-hmm. Yeah, that leads right into a guitar solo. It's as, like a, as they're building it up, seamless. Yep. Yeah, yep. it's really cool. So that, I mean, the song itself is great. I mean, it's fun to sing along to, and it's it's a rocker. But that that synth is what really grabs me as something unique. Uh, and and they've used synths before, but I think just the way they used it in this right. particular track, it was very cool. Fair to say this is the most famous Rush song. I think so. And I and I call it Rush in a nutshell. I mean, if you were just, yeah. I mean, if you're going to introduce somebody to Rush, boom, this is what you give them. Yeah. This, is, this will kind of give you f- the best feel of what Rush is. Yeah. I mean, each each musician is featured. Yeah. I mean, um, and that's, and true that's like a, a lot, lot of, of songs. Yeah. 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 They all they all get a little piece of the pie. Yeah. yeah. Some more than others are longer, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you're um, right. I think what's, what's unique, and this is kind of what I was referring to earlier, the vocal delivery is really a different take for Getty Lee from what I heard on previous albums where he's just reaching yeah. way up there. I mean, yeah. he, he tried to keep this in a normal range. Yeah. Um, and it must have been intentional because he still could hit those notes. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's very different. And I wonder if it was to make this a little more approachable and radio friendly. Uh, there, there was an effort, I think, to have that happen with the band, with this album. So, And his delivery, too, is very distinct. I mean, he emphasizes every word. Articulates every Articulates, word. yes, that's so the word. Did, did he not do that with some previous songs? Because I didn't, I mean, I, like Spirit of Radio, and I'm familiar with that one. Oh, and that one's, I mean, he gets way up there in that. But so. isn't it as as articulate or not? I don't know. It's, it's just, just different. I agree, yeah. Brian. There's, there's a, a little different bit different delivery. Feel, yep, feel to okay. it. Um, I also, I, I heard uh, a bit of a demo of this song before that, and it was faster. Wow. And and the drums in the beginning just, I mean, they're kind of driving pretty quick. And uh, they decided we got to slow this down so we can um, 
understand the lyrics better so you can hear it and and oh, know what's wanted, going on. They wanted to play it faster originally. Yeah. Wow. Yep. That is that's kind of cool. That's not surprising either, considering you know their back catalog and, and this stuff really a lot of it flew. Right. Right. Um, trying to think of the, yeah, it just was completely different than anything I'd heard from them before. And then of course you can't mention any rush album without the brilliant drumming of Neil Peart. And, right. You know, it's, we were just saying before you just want to air drum along. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. You, you, the parts are it. Uh, what's the best way of saying this? The drums are, not just keeping beat they're really part of the music right in in rush well he felt that he couldn't repeat himself he always wanted to have something different and new so like he sure did a good job at that you know they would tell him like yeah just do this groove and he's like no i've done that before like you know you can you can repeat a groove you know (laughs) he said no if a groove is good you can still use that groove but Yeah. yeah he he didn't want to do that so that's why all these are so different and these time changes and everything. It's just, wow. Yeah. It's just crazy. We get, yeah. Some of these are, I, I can't imagine trying to drum this myself, you know, mm-hmm. like going into YYZ and stuff. And there's so many changes going on. Yeah. And even just the, the beginning of it, just knowing the timing of what's going on. Right. I it's, didn't know you were a drummer, Dave. No, I mean, just, I'm just trying to think if I had to do this, I can't even keep it straight no, of what's coming up. Yeah. You know, sometimes you're like, oh man, I, yeah, not good. <laughs> Wouldn't be good for me. Yeah. And you know, not only is that the drums in not just this song, but all Rush songs, there's like Brian was saying, there's so many changes that I can't remember what tune it was. They said was so difficult. They didn't even try to rep well they tried to replicate it was it something from hemispheres maybe like uh oh they were trying to replicate it on this album no no what oh. i'm saying is there's a particular track on hemispheres and i can't remember the name of it right now but they said we made it so complex that it was difficult to even recreate in concert sure oh yeah yeah, yeah. i'll have to look back and see if i can remember what that is you were talking about uh Getty Lee actually went, well, I, th- I read some stuff on each of these songs, but one of these quotes I got from Getty Lee was, he talked about the one song that we have to play for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. When we wrote it, we had no idea that it would touch such a nerve with people. In many ways, it's the quintessential Rush, rush song. So kind of like mm-hmm. what you were saying, Brian, if you're handing someone Rush for the first time, this is the song you started with. Yep. And you will be hooked. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, they owned it. Uh, I saw them, I think, only twice. First time was in the early 21st century. I'd say like maybe 06 or 08, something like that. I wish I had seen them earlier, but mm-hmm. I hadn't. And what was the first song? Tom Sawyer. Yeah, yeah. Don't be late to the show. (laughs) (laughs) What? I meant, yeah. Can you imagine that? You're waiting to get to the end. It's like, wait a minute, they didn't play Tom Sayer. No, first song. Five minutes late. Well, six minutes late. Boom, done. I do remember the live video for this song playing on MTV a lot. (laughs) And so that was, I remember that connection. Yeah, I don't remember the video, but I I remember remember black and red. I mean, just, Mm -hmm. just those colors, dark stage, black. So it was a, a concert video. It was a concert video. Yeah. yeah, it was live. 
Oh, cool. Yeah. The uh, director for the album cover mentioned that too. I, when, when I was reading about whether album covers he's done, black, red, and something else are kind of themes he mm. goes. So if you look at a lot of the album covers or the artwork, he yeah. uses those three colors a lot. Mm. Black, red, white, I can't remember now. I can tell you what the song was I was referring to. Oh, yeah? From Hemispheres. La Via Strangiato. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> no, what? Not familiar with it, sorry. Aren't you? Sounds cool. No, I'm not. I, oh. Maybe maybe I've heard it. I don't know. No, it's a good album. Hemispheres yeah. is a very good album. Uh, a little fun fact for you guys. I don't know if you knew this or not. Probably not. The song was used as the opening music to the Brazilian dub of the spy TV show MacGyver. <laughs> no, was, I did not know that. I was like, no. uh, Brian. There was a cover band that played at college that we saw. They were called Wayne's World. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what song they opened with? Tom Sawyer. Uh, good guess. Yeah. <laughs> I was super excited when I heard that. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. That was fun. And it sounded like the whatever the synth uh, programming they did yeah. sounded pretty close. Yep. So it was pretty exciting. So my classmate from Bethany was Wayne. Wayne Crowe. Wayne, yeah. yeah. Wayne, rest, in yep. pe- rest in peace. Wayne. Yep. Yep. Who else was Mike Dale? Mike, Mike Dale. was Mike Dale. Yeah. Um, S- Scott. So no, was it Scott Killian? Scott Killian? Me? Uh, I don't know. I can't remember if. Yeah, I think he was playing oh. guitar too. Yeah, I, I can picture the drummer, Gil Gilbertson. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember well, his name. Not anyway. I, I have conversations with Mike occasionally, so yeah. I'll have yeah. to ask him if there's any recordings. Yeah, there you go. There is a video. They videotaped that. Cool. Yep. So I know that exists. All right. Let's move on to Red Barchetta. Really cool story about a dystopian future. I love this song. Yeah. It's a really cool song. Is is well, that's pretty heavy. Dystopian future. Yeah. Have you not read up on that at all? Nope. Nope. I thought it was about a guy driving fast. It It is. is. But it's based off of a story. Why is he doing that? That Neil Peart read. And I can't remember the name of it. I I actually have it like open in a tab and I didn't read the story. It was like in um, Road and Driver magazine Mm -hmm. or something like that, like years and years ago. And so he read that and kind of uh, wanted to use that as a basis for a song and try to get in contact with the guy. Wasn't able to until after, I think they wrote it and recorded it. Um, But it's kind of based on this story. Well, you know, when, when the song opens up with his uncle having a place out in the country that nobody knows about, yeah. you know, something's going down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, what's going on yeah. here? Yeah, but it's Canada. There's a lot of wide open space. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Well, uh, you know what got me on that was when they talk about, um, it used to be a farm before the motor law. And I'm yeah. like, what? Do they have some kind of weird motor right. law in Canada? And that's, that's what got me on the rabbit hole of like, no, there's no motor law. It's like a dystopian future. Right. They talk about where cars are outlawed. Yep. Except mm. for the flying. They talk about some flying alloy cars. Like right. They're some kind of authority. Well, that's really interesting. I yeah. learned something tonight. Thank you, yeah. Dave. It is. Oh, there's just, there's so many cool lyrics in this song. I can, I, if you listen to it, with kind of that in mind, yeah, you hear really cool stuff. Like one of the lyrics is well-weathered leather, hot metal and oil, the scented country air, sunlight on chrome, the blur of the landscape, every nerve aware. And it just, yeah. Oh, it's can so we, cool. You, can we talk about the, I mean, here we're talking about lyrics again. Yeah. Remember a few albums ago yeah, that yeah. I was like, yeah, and trashy yeah. lyrics. Um, Neil Peart was an incredible lyricist. Yeah. 
Uh, I think he must be a very well-read or was a very well-read um, individual. Yeah. Him and him and Sting used to hang out a lot. Just <laughs> <laughs> talk about. Well, why didn't they do they an had, album together? Jeez. They, I don't know. They had a book club. They talk <laughs> mythology a lot. Yeah, Methuselah. Or, <laughs> uh, I yeah. I got to give it to Getty to be able to sing these lyrics. Yeah, and how he comes up with this stuff because a lot of it is. I mean, there's rarely a chorus. Really, I mean, there's kind of a chorus. Yeah, but just the delivery of these songs and how are you going to sing these? And it's like, wow. They're not all just like line, rhyme, line, rhyme no. type of things. And so no. he just crafts these together somehow. Yeah, right. you're right. You're right. I was it's thinking like, about man. that too. Just, you know, you're you're not even the guy writing it and yet you have to find a way to sing it. And yeah. I would imagine if something like, you know, if Sting's writing lyrics, he maybe kind of knows a way he wants to deliver right. it as he's writing it. Yeah. And maybe Neil talked with Getty about that. I don't know. I don't know. But it just seems like a, a tall order. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like, I mean, to be able to interpret, you know, what he's trying to say and how how he's saying it is just, wow, that's impressive. So here's another little tidbit towards the end, Lance. Um, after the lyrics end, there's another minute three of music where they kind of break this down. Well, first of all, let me let me back up here. So it talks about, this, the lyrics talk about, you know, getting this car uncovered and then taking off and the music just simulates that so well oh, in yeah. my mind oh, yeah. yes. with how it just talk. You can just hear and see visually in your mind's eye, I, the car just racing away and shifting and moving off and just gravel flying oh, and, and totally, and, yeah, totally and blurred everything. You know, yeah. As you say that, I looking at my notes, the said the music kind of becomes the story of movement. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 This song marries those two so well in my mind, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, so after the lyrics end about 103, there's a, a music left. So here's what I imagine as they break down the rest of the song, because it starts to break down. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm trying to think of what's going on during that time in the story. And so I was thinking like getting the car back to the farm building where the car is stored and then revving it up, talking with his uncle about how, you know, he just escapes some authorities yep. with these alloy air cars pulling the car inside, packing things away, covering it up, getting ready for the evening fire time. Yeah. yeah. I can just totally picture that whole thing. Gosh, and, I am he, never going to listen to this song in the same way again. Oh, and they, after and, understanding. and they yeah. do this once a week. Yeah. It's just their weekend. Every thing. Sunday. Go out and take the car. Hoping not to be caught. Yeah. But I mean, it's just, it's just freeing. I think it's a cool story. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I would say too, Getty's vocals here are, equally as subdued. Mm -hmm. He's not reaching. It's, right. It's just yeah. a really kind of um, straightforward, but still excellent delivery, as you're saying, you know, working with lyrics like this. But yeah. uh, it's just way more approachable than some of the earlier albums. Just maybe that's what makes it, like I say, more approachable and maybe more radio friendly. Um, mm -hmm. Perhaps this is when, Women started listening to Rush a little more. Uh, Did they? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do they? <laughs> There's got to be some. It's yeah, sure. still about, well, the last concert I went to was probably still three to one, maybe four yeah. to one men. But <laughs> they're, anyway. they're no 80s hair band. Huh? I, li I no. like the, the end of this song where he's just kind of noodling around on the bass and he's got a lot of cool, just little yeah. stuff in the. That's where I can kind of picture just like packing things yep. up and just kind of everything just calming down for right. fire time where they're just going to. Yep. Just sit and chill. Mm -hmm. 
All right, you ready to move on here? Yes. YYZ or YYZ. YYZ. Yes. You know what YYZ stands for, right? I yes. do now. Yep. You go tell us. It's the uh, call. It's the airport. Yeah, the call. International Air whatever. Transport Association, the IATA. Yeah. Airport I didn't know code. what the right yeah. airport code. Yeah. I didn't just pick that off the top of my head. I had that written down. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got that from looking at my flight aware app yeah <laughs> so airport <laughs> code for toronto toronto pearson international airport yep i don't know what pearson is but i know it's toronto toronto yeah you know what it's also yes designated as brian you tell us that one well, is the morse code right yeah for the letters and they heard that while they were flying and am, am i right that neil is a pilot I didn't know that. If I, it didn't, is. I didn't know that either. Maybe, maybe not. I thought I kind of read that. But anyway. I didn't read that. They they heard that single and they made a note of that and said, that's, that's a cool, cool thing. So so it's the tempo of the song. It's the, yeah. It's it's the, the thing that whole starts beat. off. Yeah. You hear so the. It's dashes and dots. So I'll give you them and you can write them down because then if you listen back to the beginning of this, you yep. get it right away. And it, it may take you a few times, but so it's. Uh, YYZ in Morse code or dashes and dots. So it's dash, dot, dash, 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 dot, dash, 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 dot, dot. You said absolutely nothing there, Dave. I did, but if you somebody write it down and then listen to YYZ, and that is the rhythm of this intro and in, in the song. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. It is cool. And this is an instrumental. Yes. And, a lot of stuff going on here. And they, they loved when they were going back home and they would see that, that YYZ tag on their luggage. And they're like, ah, we're finally going home. Oh, is that why? The yeah. Another reason they're like, ah, this yep. is a nice. And if you listen to the solo, you kind of get that kind of happy kind of feeling when you're doing that. Coming home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can hear it. Um, it really shows off each of these musicians' proficiency. I was just going to say mind. that throughout. It, yeah. was, it was it was like at a jazz concert. You know, everybody got, got oh, a little yeah. piece. You can do, hey, here's a little drum part. Here's and a bass so, part. And yeah. It's so captivating through yeah. the whole thing. There's enough changes. And I think you talked about, you know, maybe Neil not repeating himself. But, I mean, there's just so many changes in here. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, it's kind of funky in parts, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it, and it changes a lot. But. Because I think of the bass. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Each one of them gets their turn to show off. That's right. Yes. song for sure. Getty Lee is a pretty awesome bass player. One of okay. the best. I got a question. Yeah. Do you guys like the whip sound? The Yes. The I actually do. I listened to that on the, I actually listened to the song on the way over here to record. Okay. <laughs> Does that bother you? Um, I would like it less. Three times bothers me. One time I like, cool. yes. yes. And yeah. the second time, yeah, a little bit. The third time is like, oh, I think you overdid it. I was actually thinking like I, it, what I remembered was there was only one of them, but then I heard it again. I'm like, oh yeah, that's cool. But oh, there's another time. But I will say they are all different. I mean, they're all a whip sound, but they're all, they are. they're all a little bit different. So <laughs> it's not like they had one sound and they repeated that sound three times. There's something so. layered in there besides the whip, though. It sounds like a chain or something. Yeah, like a... Yeah. yeah. Maybe a crash cymbal or splash cymbal yeah. or something like that. I was not listening close enough to We were just talking it, about... Oh, sorry. To have it 
you know, an bother opinion, me, I guess, or yeah. make an impression on me. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It, it reminds me of nitpicky. We're just being pick picky. On something. I know. Come yeah. on. Um, Getty Lee, you know where he ranks on the bass player, rock bass player list at all? Well, whose list was it? <laughs> uh, Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone. Probably top 10. 50 greatest bassists of all time. He is 24. 24. Mm. Do you know who he points to for the greatest bass player that he can that he will name? John Entwistle. Bingo. Wow. From The Who. Yeah. Nailed it. You must have read that. I did not. You did not. Well, no. That's a great guess. No. <laughs> Boris the Spider. Yeah. <laughs> he just talks about how so effortlessly John just slides he, up and down. He and, Which did. is true. Yeah. Yeah. When you, you watch... watch He's just stoic up there. Just yeah. Yep. He doesn't look like he's doing anything and his hands just. <laughs> yep. And it's clean. And the bass is really high. Yeah. It's just. A, it's yeah. super clean. He could not jump as high as uh, <laughs> Pete Townsend could. Oh, so he's just. True. I'm going to hang back here. Well, between the other three members of the who he's like, I can't compete with that. Probably. And like, why, why exactly. would you want to? Right. Exactly. Those are all egomaniacs. He's just going to, I'm going to play my bass. I did make yep. one other note on this song. The guitar solo, I thought, sounded very Eddie Van Halen-ish. It, at a point in there, it yep. did, yeah. I heard that tonight on the way over, too. I'm yep. like, yeah. you know what? There's a little influence there. Yep. And it wasn't, like, super overt, no. but it was just a little kind of some tapping things. Yep. And yeah. then he moved kind away Kind of little, kind of little, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if... I, I wasn't going to bring that up. But I wouldn't call it an yeah. influence, either. I, I, I wonder if it was just, you know what? I can do that too. <laughs> I mean, Lifeson's an incredible guitar player. Yeah, I was borrowing the style. I mean, it's yeah. a new technique. He's borrowing the technique. It, it really. is. Of course, it was what five years after. <laughs> no, it was only like three years, two or three years after. If they record this, when in did eighty come out? Seventy-eight. So this is actually only two years later when they were recording mm-hmm. this. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I. It, it was reminiscent of I can't remember the Scorpion song where where you're thinking oh it's got a little Eddie and there yeah. was kind of that same. Not not even the tapping, but just just the feel of it just had that. Just just a little section of yep. it though. Just a little I, section. I yep. had that yeah. same thought tonight. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, let's uh move on to the next song. The last one on the first side here, Limelight. Love it. Clearly the song that they said, we gotta get this out to radio because yes. radio is gonna eat this up. Uh like you said, Brian, in our last episode, lyrics you can understand make a difference. Mm-hmm. Right? You can understand all the lyrics in this one. You can understand what's going on. It's not a complicated message Yep, by any means. Directly alluding to the next song on the album, too. Talk to the, the camera. Yeah, the, the thing is funny with this one that Neil wrote this because he hated the limelight. Yeah. And then he writes this this lyric, and then they have one of one of their biggest songs, and it only got worse for him after this. <laughs> So yeah, if he hated yeah. it at this point, yeah. um, wow, you're really going to hate it for the next... I, yep. I can't tell really if it was about loathing, liking. It was just an opinion of being in the limelight. He did not like the yeah, limelight. No, I know that. But I I couldn't gather from the lyrics that he hated it. I, I didn't feel that way in the song to me. It was just a, this is what the limelight is. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would agree with you, Lance. He thanks, yeah, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> appreciate well, it. That, that it's not like him just bemoaning the fact that they're famous and being in the limelight all the time, right? And we that's a well 
established fact too that he did not like yeah. you know even interacting with fans on the meet and greets no, he won't be there no mm-hmm. he was not he, part uh, of that. there's a uh, quote from him says i can't pretend a stranger is a long awaited friend yeah <laughs> so right. i mean that, that that's just a sums great it up quote. yeah so it, i think it was in his yeah it was just he was very honest about what the limelight was and wasn't part of it so he didn't even show up for the photo shoot on the on the CD. That's why he wasn't in the CD. <laughs> on my version. Yeah, that's why he wasn't in there. Right. Yeah. I don't want anyone to recognize me. I don't want people that's to right. know who I am. Yeah. Well, and this kind of points out, this was the first single released. Mm-hmm. So this kind of points Makes out sense. what they thought would be a good radio song, not knowing how big Tom Sawyer would ever be. Right. Because it's so much bigger than and Limelight. If, but if I'm, was Tom Sawyer the second one? Uh, I got kind of mixed. Was the th- third single actually which is funny yeah so, i know so vital signs was vital signs the was second number one two. Yeah. which yeah i don't even remember ever hearing that on the radio no, no i don't ever. either that's yeah what do we know we're not record executives maybe, right? maybe nope. that was in canada where vital signs was a little more yeah. right. popular we're ready to flip it but, over well no i know you got more before i had a story about limelight oh so, yeah sorry uh when i was in high school i can't remember i must have been a senior like it or not, I was homecoming king. Ah, congratulations. Wow. Gee, thank wow. you. And it's gotten you far in life. Yeah, it sure that. has. That's why, you, that's why you made the podcast. I always wondered right. why you came in here wearing a crown every single time we you know, do I this just show. Can't, can't let it go. It's getting old. Okay. Had nothing to do with that. But anyway, <laughs> we had a homecoming roller skating event. Oh, wow. Fun. And uh, I, I recall... They had a DJ. Remember they had DJs yeah. in the booth yeah. at the roller yep. skating rink? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. So, you know, we were listening to the normal Michael Jackson, Cool in the Gang, uh, Lionel Richie, blah, blah, blah. I went up and said, can you play Limelight by Rush? And they're like, yeah. But, well, there was a group of maybe a half a dozen of us guys <laughs> that just... Rush, we, and we got out there. Nobody else. Could Everybody care cleared a lot. the floor, right? Yeah, you got the whole floor to yourself. We loved it, and and I'll never forget that. That uh, I was roller skating to Limelight. So there you go. That's my story about Limelight. Awesome. It's been I'm just, one of my favorites ever since. That just reminded me of uh, roller skating rinks at that time when they're the DJs like right next to the yeah the thing and every time you go by you yell a song at them that you want yep. them to play right yeah limelight <laughs> Come by <your> <laughs> limelight <laughs> yeah, that's so funny and you tell your friends hey yeah. go tell them go tell this yeah yeah maybe he'll play it <laughs> all right you ready to flip it over flipper here's our cool flip sound <laughs> there we go whoa all right <laughs> the camera eye um i i saw on here that there's like two parts to this yeah I had never heard that before. One of them is um, AKA New York. Yep. And the second part is London. And from what I saw that it was where Neil Peart had kind of wrote different sections of it when he was walking around these two different places. Is okay. that right? I, I don't know. No, that's I do know there was two different parts. But, okay. Um, yeah. Getty Lee, by the way, said, for me, it didn't age very well. Hmm, okay. Well, to me, it sounded more well this whole side sounded a little more similar to early rush yep um there's a distinct difference between these the radio two sides. friendly side and the yep. first side and then the the other stuff that we want to do yep. yeah for exactly. the diehard fans and for us um it, yeah and it, it feels it, it's kind of a light tune 
to me. There's um, nothing real wild about it. It doesn't really take off and go anywhere. It's um, too long. Yeah. Um, I got a note about that at the end. Yeah. <laughs> and But, you know, that's rush, too. Right. I mean, I mean, typically, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what what 2112 was like 18 minutes or something like that. Right. But I, um, I felt that, you know, you had the two different parts. Was yeah. it New York and London? Yes. It seemed like those two parts were the same, just with uh, ex- different lyrics. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like. That's what I'm saying. Didn't you know, really go anywhere. just drop one of them and have a seven minute song. And yeah. It would have been better. The song is almost 11 minutes long. Yeah. So it's supposed to tell the story of life in the city kind of musically. Is that mm-hmm. what I get out of it? Yeah. I didn't read that, but it seems logical. I'll be honest. I mean, I love this album, but I didn't listen to this side that much. It was always the other side. Yeah. This is a very dated synth sound to start this. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. this actually pegs the decade and the, the time frame more so than even Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer, not as much as this one, I think. Right. But it's, yeah, I still dig it, you know, especially when all the instruments kick in at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately for me, it's like a super dated synth sound when this thing starts. This, this was the last mm-hmm. kind of long epic song that Rush did. Uh, ever? For really? the most part, yeah. Wow. Yep. They kind yeah, of, they would, kind of abandoned that. Yeah. So here's a very maybe unpopular idea of editing the song. I was thinking about this as I was listening to the different movements. Mm-hmm. Be careful. I know. And you know, <laughs> the rush fans are tired. Yeah, that's right. I'm sure it's a perfect song in most people's eyes. No, I just thought of this since it has these kind of different movements. What if you cut off the first two twenty one when mm-hmm. you start getting into like yeah. the, the upbeat stuff where it goes into transition, actual time signature, the rest of the song, it's less dated. Mm-hmm. Same goes for taking that same transit transition midway through the song. Yeah. You're probably cutting off four minutes. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I so, thought the, the lead in was way too long. It's like, are there lyrics to this? But then they transition and into something else, which could have been just the start of the song, I think. Yeah. So if I'm going to critique something that, that would be my, my suggestion for this one. Anyway. Give me two or three songs instead of this one song. Yeah. But you could. I, I mean, I like doing twelve minutes. I mean, it's not minutes. like I, I do like long epic songs. Some are really cool. Yeah. But if I really break it down, it's like, yeah, I might want to have for that same space. Give me two or three different songs. Yeah. But. Anything else on camera? I. Nope. Let's go on a witch hunt then. We're going on a witch hunt. That's right. Is this literally a witch hunt? <laughs> well, the song. No. I mean, it kind of sounds like, like the beginning. I, I, yeah, you know what that is? Very, yeah, it's like the band and crew, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like outside on some cold day. They and had, layered. And, yeah. I mean, it, it sounds <laughs> like a mob. It really does. It does. They said they had 12 different layers of Oh, wow. Of that on there. They said when they were listening back to it, they had a bottle of scotch out there having a good time. <laughs> yeah. They said um, they were just in hysterics because every once in a while you hear somebody say something really stupid. <laughs> But there's so, you know, there's so much layering yeah, going you, on there. It does sound like a mob. It sounds pretty sinister at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a little bit of the witch hunt, but it's not actually the yeah, witch hunt. The whole song is kind of dark. It's dark, boating, moody, brooding. Yeah. yeah it's, creepy intro. Yep. Um, it, it really sets the mood. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's probably my least favorite on the album, actually. It's... 
the lyrics kind of set the scene. I mean, the lyrics really match the music or vice versa, whatever the two. I mean, they yeah. they really do go hand in hand on this this song. Yeah. Another one, right? Yeah. They they do a good job of that. Right. I mean, it's a, a very dramatic song. Yep. Yep. Just, I'm, I'm probably with Lance. Uh, the camera eye might be my least favorite, but Witch Hunt. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this side. Yeah, I mean, this side just, is probably... Uh, I don't dislike it. Right. But it's just so starkly different yeah. than, than side A mm-hmm. or side one, whatever Agreed. you want to call it. Um, it just, yeah, it doesn't, like I said on camera, it doesn't get up and go. It just... It's, it's not of, catchy. You're not going to be singing it uh, nope. as you're walking along on a nice sunny day. Yeah. <laughs> But, the, you know, we're talking about Rush here. You so. know what song is in, it's just stuck in my head? What? Witch Hunt. Yeah. <laughs> I can't get that you're out of my not, head either. You're yeah. not going to hear that. Na, 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 you mean na. Witch Doctor. Yes. <laughs> yes. They got me Witch Doctor. I told me what to do. <laughs> Didn't we talk about that in a previous episode? Uh, Callback. Maybe. Yeah, I think we yeah. might have. I remember listening to that on the Looney Tunes K-Tel collection. Witch Doctor. <laughs> Did we do a soundtrack? Uh, not yet. No. No. I can't remember where when it was. Spoiler alert. Still drinking, aren't you, Lance? Yeah. All right, let's move on. Last song on the album, Vital Signs. We are, which we were all surprised that this was a single. Yeah, the second single. You know what? They said they wrote this in the studio like five minutes. Yeah? Well, okay. I would say this was a nod to what the future of Rush was going to be. It it feels like something that could have been on um, Vital Signs. Vital mm-hmm. Signs, yes. That's the name of the album after this, right? No, Signals. Signals. But it is a signal. It this, is a vital sign. Yes. This yeah. sounds Ooh, like wow. it's something that could have been on Signals because it, it has this kind of catchy little, um, I don't want to say reggae-influenced guitar riff, but kind of. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it's catchy and, and uh, different than... A lot of stuff that I'd heard previously, but not unlike stuff on Signals. So, yeah, maybe it was a hint at where they were going. Mm-hmm. Bands do that from time to time. They do. How many times have we come across, by the way, this is the last song they wrote for the album, and it's in the last position. Mm. I don't know how often we've come across that in any yeah. other album reviews. And then, and then it was this, you know, we talk about where they kind of pick singles. Yeah, I don't know that I would put this at the the end if it's going to be your number two single, right? That you know, we like need to odd... verify that whole thing. Maybe Wikipedia was messing with us because I, you know, honestly, <laughs> I never heard this song on the radio. No, it's really strange. Maybe they wanted you to listen in reverse order, Re- reverse polarity. Oh, I like that. Like, how do you get that into a song? I don't know. And then. Here, Getty, sing about reverse polarity. (laughs) We got a reverse polarity. And not only that, but everybody needs it. I mean, do you need it? Do I need it? Do we all need it? (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) Getty is telling us we need it. Yeah. I I don't have much to say about it other than it's fine. The pulsing synth throughout the whole song, you know, and then it's kind of a little slower and moody. and But that, that pulse keeps the same but the music slows down and picks up. So mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting. 
another it, kind of it unique. Did, yeah, I noticed that too. About halfway through, it kind of picked up too and and uh, moved. Yeah, unlike the previous two on mm-hmm. this side. Anything more on vital signs before we wrap this up? I'm, Checking mine. I'm doing a little uh, research here. But Checking your <laughs> keep signs. <laughs> <laughs> You're still alive. Lance just fell over. His crown is on the ground. Oh, whoa. Oh. Hey, pick it up. <laughs> Got Get it. Get back in your seat. Got man. it. Yeah. Can't leave here without it. No. I think maybe I did see somewhere that Vital Signs was a single in the UK. Yep. I'm looking at it right now, Brian. It was released as a single in the UK, peaking at number 41. Oh, okay. okay. Well, that would explain a lot. So yeah. that's why we never heard it on the radio. Yeah. So... So they only released two singles in, in the, the US. US. Did you know that classic rock readers voted Vital Signs the 37th best Rush song? Wow. Out of yeah. how many songs are there? Well, that's a good question. I mean, if there's only, you know... <laughs> a lot of their albums only have like five or six exactly. songs. Exactly. So, yes. so, <laughs> so, yep. Although, although they have released quite a few albums. I mean, if this is yeah. their eighth album, I mean, really, it took them eight albums to really hit it big yeah. hit the big time that's yeah they, well they was it after at 2112 they're worried they're going to be dropped by the label yeah uh but there was such a groundswell support for that album amongst their die diehard fans right. that they were able to keep going a little bit longer but yeah they they were in danger of being dropped at one point um which could be a lot of the reasoning why they made this first side sound the way it did for sure yep ready to wrap up wrap, wrap it. it up all right from a january 1981 interview of Mu- when music express which is canada's entertainment tabloid mm. getty lee had this to say about their songwriting i assume that most of our audience is intelligent i have to assume that there are two ways you can write songs either you approach the lowest common denominator or you assume everyone out there is the ideal listener we prefer the latter approach. We try to appeal to their intelligence. I'd say that's pretty darn mm-hmm. accurate. Yeah. All right. Any final thoughts before we give a rating here? I just have one more thing I remember uh, reading where Getty said that Neil, as they went further along in their career, he tended to want to do less than he was typically known for. So his drumming, you know, he was toning it down, I guess you could say. And so they really had to encourage him to keep doing what you're doing. Oh, really? Yeah. He wanted to just not do as many like crazy, super fast fills and stuff. Yeah. I believe he actually studied under, uh, I can't remember which famous drummer, and he changed his style too. Mm. After after this? It was after this. Okay. And it's probably has a lot to do with you know his doesn't want to do the same thing over and over again i want to grow as an artist maybe a less is more i don't know yeah that could be too but so anyway they were encouraging him to keep doing it and he did plus yeah, it he was did keep doing a, it but a lot of hard work to replicate <laughs> what he had been doing in concert wow. well isn't that one of the reasons he stopped touring for a while too it's just i mean so much wear on your body yeah. Mm-hmm. ligaments and all that stuff i mean you're getting older and yeah you just wear and tear i mean yeah. out of all the musicians you know that one's just moving so many body parts so much compared to a guitarist or a lyricist yep. or a keyboard player it was funny seeing him 
at, at this time period, you know, he was just looked like this small skinny guy on yeah. the drum kit. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, wow, this is a powerful kid. Was he the, he was the youngest of the three too. That correct? I don't know. Okay. But maybe I was just assuming that from the way he looked because yeah. he looked so much younger and lanky. Yep. All right, guys, it's time to give our personal rating of this album from zero to 10. Where do you guys stand on this one? I honestly hadn't thought about it until just now. Okay, well, what'd you think of then? I, I you didn't know. use no. the Lance rating system. No, I obviously. didn't for this one. I, for for some reason, completely skipped that pro in my process. So I'll just have to make up something on the spot after you guys both give your rating. I'm stalling for you both now. Yeah, well, I used my rating system, and tell you what, I'm at a nine. Um, I know I've been high on the last couple, but you know, the first side, every song to me is a ten. Mm-hmm. And I don't dislike the second side, but when I start adding the numbers, it's like, well, there you go. Uh, there's only three songs in the second side. So I came up with like a nine, 94% um, or 0.94. So I'm going to stick with the nine. It didn't go above nine and a half, but mm -hmm. it's a great album. Um, you know, is it their best? I don't know. They have a lot of great stuff, but certainly the most approachable um for and as we said most radio friendly and uh i'm not ashamed to give it a nine <laughs> and you shouldn't be no why would you be yeah how about you brian um i'm giving it an eight um solid i like it um side one obviously the stronger the side i feel the same way Probably the best side one of any album. <laughs> I don't know about that, but it's 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 really it's For me. good. It doesn't it doesn't drop off. And and I thought too, what is uh, YYZ? Is that like the second or third song? Third song. Third song. Instrumental. I mean, yeah. How many bands do that? Yeah. And and to make it a memorable song, I totally. Yeah. That's that's pretty impressive. So I'm going with an eight. I am smack dab in the middle of both of you. Mm. 8.5. I, you know, having this album, listening to it so much, I think talking through it and analyzing it, I realize, you know, you know, maybe I don't like all the songs on the second side as much um, as the first side, especially, like you said. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a banger of a first side. Um, but I still have the kind of that nostalgic feel yeah. So you got to rank them probably a little higher than I would normally on a, a cold listen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But 8.5 for me. Yeah. It's time for Remember When. This is a segment where I ask Brian and Lance their thoughts about something we grew up with, but may no longer be around today. And they're, as they're getting comfortable, today's item, which I believe is almost entirely extinct. <sighs> Maybe you can guess. Dodo birds. The Dodo birds. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's the Dodo Bird. Yes. yes. It's so related to rock and roll and 70s and 80s culture. I thought we'd just revisit the Dodo Bird. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We, we like Dodo Birds. We do. I miss them. <laughs> um, oh, well, Why unfortunately. Why people of California have to kill the <laughs> Okay, well, if it's not that, it's got to be the passenger pigeon. <laughs> it's, it's the passenger. Oh, man. Dave, you got to come up with something more original. I, come on. I'm putting those both down as future items. <laughs> passenger pigeon. No. <laughs> this item that's almost entirely extinct, 
Video rental stores. Oh. Yeah. Did you have a membership and how many different stores? Oh, man. Oh, boy. I can think of three I, for sure. Yeah. At least. Right here in town. Yeah. A three of them that exist. Oh, that, that did exist. That did exist. Mm -hmm. I of course, I, everyone had Blockbuster. Remember, Eventually. Remember, I didn't have that one for the longest time. Oh. Uh, they, they didn't come to Mankato for a while. Yeah. Lewis Rents. Lewis, not Lewis Rents. Lewis, Lewis Drug. Drugs. Yeah. Who had a Lewis Rents? That was probably the first one I had here. Yeah. That's okay. I'm up family to four. Video. Uh, there like a family, family video. Family video. Yep. Yep. Uh, video update. Video update. They were in the mall by the hmm. Happy Dan's. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right oh. on the corner. That was, it was a big store. Okay. Uh, Video USA? Yes. Video USA, yep. Yeah. There was a little one in Belmar Mall. Belmar yes. Video. Yep. Went Belmar Video. Um, so there were a few around. There was a few around. Mm -hmm. Hy-Vee. Hy-Vee, yeah. We were rented, rented from <laughs> Hy-Vee downtown. Yeah. The grocery store. They were cheap, store. too. I think they were like 99 cents all the time. I remember... Everybody trying to get on the action. Lewis Drug. I remember having the... Uh, you could buy a like a card or something that was like a punch card. Yes. Really cheap. And then when the store closed, we had like X amount still left on it. And we were able to like send it in and they like paid us back for what we didn't use. <laughs> really? Wow. I'm thinking this is wow. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Not sure why I would do that. I know. But they did. Wow. They did. Bonus money to go buy other stuff at Lewis Drug. Yeah. Man. Video stores were so fun. Oh, it was oh. awesome. Fridays, could, Saturdays, you know, hard to find what you want. Yeah. And you're elbow to elbow with people and you're, oh. You know so how you're fun. on Netflix now or, you know, Paramount Plus and you can't pick anything out? It was the same, same thing, thing in the video <laughs> store. You'd spend an hour in there. It was, yeah. really. Yeah. Because you'd go, oh, oh, I could watch that, but I'll keep looking. Yep. Oh, I could watch that one. Okay, that's my number two. I got to remember what number one was. Yep. And then keep looking. Especially when you didn't have like a... Uh, new release that wasn't in or mm -hmm. you couldn't find or yeah it wasn't always such a thrill when you, you know there's this jackpot of the you new know, release 10 yeah. copies of the new release and i got one oh yeah. i think at one of the places local they'd have a whole like two oh, sections of walls so yeah. like 100 copies or yeah. 50 copies yeah. or whatever it was that was probably blockbuster yeah probably yeah. so i had my brother wayne and my friend channing who you well, you both know yep. actually they yep. both worked at a family video I think it was called Family Video. Mm -hmm. Kind of a ubiquitous name for video store, yeah. right? Um, so I get to watch a lot of movies for free. They just nice. bring home. Sometimes we'd, they'd get a, uh, the manager would get like a preview copy with like a timestamp on it mm. before, so he could watch it to see how many he wanted to order or whatever it was. So we'd watch them before they were near the, after the, at the video store. Wow. So that was kind of cool. But I do remember having a lot of video stores around, yeah. just the experience of going in. So I said almost extinct because isn't the the one blockbuster still around? Yeah, I saw that on the internet recently. Where is it? Like in Bend, Oregon. Oregon. Yeah, yeah I drove past it a few months ago. Yeah, back in the spring of this year, which yeah. is just crazy. I'm sure it's just a nostalgic. Yeah, trip. I just drove. I was driving. I'm looking out the window. I'm like, what <laughs> blockbuster? <laughs> That's no, the one. I mean, they've got a a documentary on that store and everything. That's a cool documentary too. If you haven't it's seen fun. it, you should go watch it. And, and you wonder how in the world it could still be there. I, yeah. I don't even get it. I think it's just a lot of people who want to just like, what? We could still go into yeah. a video store and just go rent something and I don't know. just for the experience, even if they just do it once. Yeah. 
This they is don't, a thing they don't in the even, past. They don't even have a DVD player, but they'll go in. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember having to like rent a VCR at times. It's like, oh, we're going over to a friend's house and they don't have a VCR. I guess yeah. I'll have to rent the VCR too. Oh, now that you're saying that, the first experience I had with a home rental was over at some friends of ours, uh, some family friends, and they wanted to rent Coal Miner's Daughter. Mm. And I think at the time, you know, there wasn't a really good system in place. So they had brought home like the, the package for it and it was just an unmarked case. And maybe it actually probably had just it written on the top. It wasn't the actual like, will you buy, you know, today's right. versions or yesterday's versions with like the pictures on it and stuff. Anyway, but we get it there and open it up and it's not coal miner's daughter. It's Flash Gordon. <laughs> oh, so we watched that. Yeah. Which was a pretty cool movie. <laughs> Flash Gordon. And then took it back. So and said, oh, hey, and you then, gave us the wrong one. And then one. they gave us Coal Miner's Hour. So we watched <laughs> that one too. And, and that was something like the adults wanted to watch. So they all watched that one. Soundtrack and Flash Gordon by Queen. Queen. It's yeah. An, yeah, that's a, it's a really fun movie. Yeah. Flash. Oh, oh, he saved every one of us. It's an awesome movie. Awesome soundtrack. You also had that that time where you've got to, we got to get home and watch this before we have to return it. Yeah, Otherwise, what about yeah, late fees? Extra. You ever guys, oh, you guys oh, yeah. have to fees. pay some late oh, fees yeah. ever? Yeah. Not well, rewinding. Did you get like multiple movies too? Like the three-day checkout, we're like, well, we better get two or three because it's only an extra $2 if you right. get this extra one. Yep. And then you're like, well, I know what we're doing for the next two evenings. Yep. <laughs> right. And sometimes a double feature yep. just to get it in under the time frame. Yeah. It was a commitment, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. That's kind of everything cool. was a commitment. Well, back then. it was yeah. in, it was intentional, and yeah. now it's just like kind of flippant. Yeah, you know, yeah. it was it was, can, it was an activity. I mean, it was, and the family go. gathered around, right? Yep. yep, for sure. Good times. Good times. That will do it for today. In our next episode, we're getting into the Christmas spirit and going through each of our top five Christmas songs. So looking forward to that episode. If you missed our previous episode, we talked about the album Synchronicity from The Police. Interesting Police, album with varied styles. Great mm -hmm. conversation about it. So if you haven't listened to it yet, be sure to go back and check it out. Folks, if you are still enjoying these podcasts, I think they're getting better. The episodes think, are getting I better. I think we're getting right. smarter. Oh, really? Wow. Well, says the king. Yeah, yeah. maybe. One of us know. is reigning supreme. Whatever the case, do us a favor and <laughs> click share or whatever on whatever platform you're listening to this on and send the episode link to a friend and help spread the word about when records rule. And also, let us know if there's an album or topic from the 70s, 80s you'd like to hear about. And maybe... We still haven't done this yet. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about it in a future episode. Well, we need some feedback. Yeah, give yeah. us some feedback. Honestly, honestly, just send us a message over Facebook or comment on a post that I throw out there. Yep. Do it. Give us some feedback. We'd appreciate it. Yep. I was just going to say, yeah, leave us a review while you're doing that, too. Yeah. Click the five stars, and uh, we'd appreciate that. What else is there to say? <laughs> Go I back and you can also you check us to, out. You're just trying to wing this, aren't you? <laughs> I lost my place. Anyway, check us out do, on. Uh, do it a couple times. Check us out us on ten stars. Check us out on. Check us out on. Check us out on Facebook. <laughs> check us out on Instagram. You're like scratching that. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out.
at whenrecordsruled.com. No, no, no dot com. We don't have a dot no com. Dot coms. No, okay, when, when records, ru- records ruled on Facebook or Instagram. And uh, you can also follow us on those and leave us comments and check out Dave's cool photos and things that he throws up there. Dave's been making an effort to make our photos even more interesting. So yeah, take a look. Share those. Might even be more interesting than the podcast itself. Yeah, maybe. There's also a Spotify playlist out there that you can check out the songs of uh, any of the previous episodes that we've we've discussed. Look in the description and the podcast episodes. And remember... Despite which, uh, what Lance kind of alluded to earlier, we are not professional music critics. No. We're close. We're getting close. <laughs> We're really just three guys who like talking music. <laughs> and that's all. Thanks for listening, that's everyone. It. We'll see you next time. See ya. Later. later.